Welcome to the Nascent Clouds podcast, episode six, where me and Nuan Rahitha talk about AI tools and techniques, as well as news and culture, mostly from an artist perspective. And every week there's a new AI tool that I can be talking about. Last week we talked with Spod, a friend of ours that's been doing some AI music videos using Midjourney. That was fun, wasn't it, Nuan? Oh, amazing stuff. And definitely look up his work or listen to last episode. I definitely learned a lot of interesting workflow. And I think we can share some things with him. He sent me a message saying that there was a stable diffusion integration that makes animations already. Wow. No, I haven't checked it out yet, but... That's amazing. Is it like a traditional sequential movement or is it more like those weird trippy hypnotic ai hallucinations like the disco diffusion moving yeah, through space yeah yeah i'm gonna guess that it's disco diffusion style moving okay. through space but somebody's just said hey stable diffusion mm. we've got access to the code let's just incorporate that but it was just moments after he was saying, oh, it'd be good if there was this tool yeah. where I could do animation. And then instantly he sent me a message. Oh, look, here it is. Oh, yeah. The acceleration is phenomenal. The G-force. Yeah. G-force through the Neosphere. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, and somebody sent, you sent me a message to show that there's integration with Photoshop. Yeah, I saw that on the Stable Diffusion Reddit, subreddit. Um, there is in-painting and... Uh, amazing like remix tools that are built directly into photoshop um, i think the project is called get alpaca okay get yeah. alpaca yeah but i haven't tried it yet but it looks like it's going to absolutely change everything i've been doing those sorts of techniques but having to save to a file copy it into photoshop and then take a recapture of that mm. part of the image put it back into dali so it looked like he was just um, selecting an area yeah. within Photoshop and then it could reimagine the missing parts. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, they integrate the prompt editor into Photoshop and plus the marquee tool. It's basically... And <laughs> using that editing feature that, that Facebook are going to bring out. I haven't seen that. What's that? Um, the one where you colour in just colors and say, yep. oh, I want some grass to be in this spot. I want yep. some mountains. I want some water here. Mm. But you've just used Microsoft Paint. Yeah. So that's integrated into Photoshop as well by yep. the looks of it. Yeah. Imagine so. when it's in integrated into the stock standard Paint. Cause every computer that runs mm. Windows has Paint. And I know that like when I was growing up, my first or second image editor was Microsoft Paint. I use the online version of Microsoft Paint. It's, Is it good? It's it's perfect, pixel perfect. It's got the same file menu, yeah. the same everything. It just it runs for free in your browser. I'm surprised they didn't use the free version of Photoshop. Um, I guess somebody will do that. The free version? You mean you mean GIMP? No, um, Photo P. Oh, the online the online one. Yeah. I don't know if that runs locally. Does it? I don't know, but you'd need to have access to the code base to code it up. But PhotoP is amazing, by the way. Yeah, I haven't tried it, but yeah. if it's because I was doing some YouTube tutorials, yeah. so I thought, oh, it'd be good if I didn't include a program that's really expensive. Yeah, PhotoP is the one. It's literally they've mimicked the Photoshop interface from like a few years ago. Yeah, so closely. I've probably, <laughs> I probably, I just 
if it wasn't in a browser, I, I, I use all the basic features. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah I, yeah, I only use the basic stuff. Um, but it's crazy that Photoshop was going to take so long to incorporate AI tools. Yeah, Adobe is just so slow. <laughs> yeah. And it reminded me that I did an interview with Uber Eats during the week, which was actually really fun. What kind fun. of interview? Um, they paid me to come and to give my feedback about safety when riding my electric bike. Oh, interesting. And so there's a group of about 12 of us. Yeah. We all got paid $120 to come for a few hours. Yeah. And there was snacks. That's fun. And we were in the Uber head office. We're like, wow, this is the Uber head office. Was there a drinks fridge? Uh, yeah. I was drinking lemon squash and la la. soda water and apple juice and there was chips. And, what did oh. I ask you? And they really listened. They really listened to yeah. everyone. Yeah. And everybody in the room, we had so much feedback. Things, I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> and there was bits when, because I can be a bit blunt. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why I love you. <laughs> there was bits when the whole room kind of went, ooh, like tell it like it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't trying to be too outspoken. Yeah. And I turned up with my Deliveroo jacket on. <laughs> and Fight the power, right? One of the Uber management yeah. was across the table yeah. and he said, oh, that's a pretty spicy jacket you've got on. Ooh, yes. And I said, well, it's just a good jacket. It keeps the rain out. Yeah. It's my only jacket that keeps the rain out when I'm so on my it wasn't, bike. it wasn't a, oh, so they need better jackets. Well, Uber don't have jackets. Oh, you need jackets. But it turns out, I found out why. Why? Because their legal team is concerned that it will be classified as a work uniform. Oh, employment. And we will be classified as employees by the Australian government. Yep. So they want to stay out of that. So they're going to create jackets, but they won't say Uber. Optional on them. jackets. Yeah, but they invited me back to discuss how to design the new jacket. Really? And how to design the new bag. That sounds fun. And I've been taking some screenshots of the app because yeah. I've got some ideas on how to redesign the app. Mm. Um, because you start to realise, hang on, they just don't know this stuff. Sometimes there's blind spots. They were like genuinely writing down everything we were saying as yeah. if it was brand new information. Like we were saying how annoying it is that we have to go up the stairs to give customers their food when they mm. live in an apartment block. Yeah. And that ended up being one of our major concerns. Mm. And they were saying, oh, it sounds like the information from the customer when they're saying, I'll oh, come out to collect, isn't getting through to mm. the drivers. Mm. And we're like, what? There's information that the customers are putting in? Like there's this total communication breakdown. Yeah. But, yeah, and we had this idea that maybe there could be a Bluetooth button that you operate on the bike to accept an order so that you don't have to take your hands off the handlebars. That would be easy to do as well. Yeah. I reckon, yeah. Because it's basically just like a media player play button. Yeah. But there's this whole category of hands-free driving that could open up, which is delivery drivers needing hands-free. And then all of the apps could take it on. Mm. And you start to realise, oh, I could actually, I could do a mock-up and show it to them. And it's probably an idea that they've never thought of and they would genuinely like. And it would be so beneficial because it's safety. Like it would make it so much safer. 
Yeah, the thing I loved about that idea is that it can't accidentally kill anyone. I love those ideas. The <laughs> ones that can't accidentally kill people, my favourites. Yeah. Like I thought, oh, maybe I could uh, build DIY batteries for other people on electric bikes. Yep. And I'm like, I don't want to be responsible for burning someone's house down though. Yeah. Whereas this Bluetooth button to automatically accept an order, because there's motorbike ones and they fit on your finger like it's just a, a ring. Yeah. And you push the button so you're riding the motorbike and you can just squash your fingers over. And we're recording this for the first time as That's a video cool. so I yeah. can actually demonstrate. So you're riding, mm. you're accelerating, and then you can just tap your finger over to a ring that has a button on it. Ah, that reminds me. There is a product like that called the Nova. But Freaking there's already amazing. these things designed for music. Yeah, you could prototype the system with this thing that's already there. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think all of these people have imagined that the use case is people need to change their music. Yeah. But they don't realise there's this massive new market of delivery drivers mm. that need to accept orders. This is massive. And yeah, and it's like, oh wow, like we're actually gonna go back. Well, I could just prototype the way that I think the app should look. And yeah. now I can just send them an email and it might actually make change. But all of these things, they're so slow. That's the why I'm going off track. I'm going off track. We're not talking <laughs> was, about AI. It was interesting though. But the thing that links it to AI yeah. is realizing Uber Eats has been around for years now. Yeah. And there's some basic elements of the redesign of the app that nobody can do because it's not open source. Yeah. Whereas Stable Diffusion yep. is going to leapfrog Dali, leapfrog Midjourney. Yeah. Because already there's people that are like, oh, great, I'd love to incorporate it into Photoshop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd love to create an animation version. Whereas with Dali, everyone's going, can you make an animation version? Can you make it incorporate into Photoshop? And they're just like, oh, we've got to figure out the money first. And sure. Stable Diffusion is just like somebody else can get onto it even without permission. Mm. And it's already happening in parallel. Someone, who's, someone whose desire to make change is greater than their current desire for financial compensation there's heaps of people out there like that in different niches huh and especially in ai's people are so enthusiastic yeah that you're just harnessing that yeah um we we're going to talk about something that was a part of the interview with spod when i yeah. was doing the editing of it mm -hmm. there was a moment when spod said it was a bit sad that eventually he could see Midjourney being used in band posters and he was disregarding it. Yeah. And I'd heard a similar sentiment of people saying, what's going to happen when we get saturated with really good images? Yeah. People will just no longer be excited by seeing a really good image. Yeah. And, and I said, oh, it is a bit sad, isn't it? And then you said, <laughs> is it sad? Oh, yeah, yeah. So... I'll go on a small tangent. We don't really do tangents on this podcast, but. <laughs> Is it sad? Um, so I love, I love snack food. I fucking love this snacks. This is a tangent. I love snacks. I love the taste. I love the sound. 
Tangent and a half. Yeah, I love the sensation of eating a snack and also the recreational kind of nature of it. It's, it's very decadent. Like, mm. And you don't have to, you, you can recline and eat snacks because they're designed, you know, not for nutrition, but for entertainment, right? So anyway, I, for various reasons, had a limitation in, imposed on me on how many snacks I should eat. Yeah. Okay. Who, who imposed these? Your parents? My parents for good reasons. Yeah. And, and myself later on like when I was at union because I'm a snack snob. Yeah, okay. So basically by allowing myself to snack, um, the first thing I overcame was the scarcity of snacks, which was warping my behaviour, right? So the scarcity of an object it messes with the prioritization and resource allocation routines in me. Okay. Okay. Now, so can you re-explain that? I think yeah. what you're trying to say is that if there's not many snacks available, yeah, then you find them really desirable. Well, is that what you mean? No, kind of, kind of. What I really mean is, I became a snack connoisseur. Okay. Because the level of snacks that was available kept increasing to higher and higher degrees of refinement, mm -hmm. right? What started off as like twisties in high school is just like, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous concoctions involving multiple food groups. Okay. Give us an example. <laughs> to go from twisties um, to... Let me, let me, let me think. So one, one of the thing I like to do is I get, um, chart powder. Have you ever had chart powder? No, you're obviously so, <clears throat> a connoisseur that's higher. Yeah. So anyway, chart powder is like this Indian spice mix <laughs> Okay. Yep. that contains, uh, green mango, um, black pepper, um, a few different things, bishop seed and different kinds of stuff. It also contains black salt, which is kind of like a, a special salt they use in a lot of Indian cooking that has a, a touch of sulfur in it. So it adds like an eggy quality to things. Anyway, so it basically hits all these flavor zones. Anyway, yeah. so basically what I'm suggesting is that we what, will just... What is the snack though? So oh, the snack. You're putting char yeah, the snack powder on... Yeah, the snack is like you get um, corn chips, you get this chart powder... You get some finely diced onions, I'm into that, cucumber, and carrots. Like you make a kind of salad mix and then you make like Indian nachos mm. with, with yogurt and dill and a bit of mint. And uh, we have this um, chili sauce that my partner Zara likes called Lingam's Chili Sauce. It's ubiquitous, it's cheap and has nothing in it but like sugar and chili and salt. It's really good. Anyway, so by allowing myself to just acquire as many snacks as I wanted and prioritize the snacking, I have reached a higher state of snacking nirvana. So what I'm saying in response to the sad thing, I think as we evolve, desires refine themselves. Mm. I um, have a song that's called The Scent of a Rose is an Evolutionary Agent. So as we have access to beauty and goodness on demand, it's not that we will lose track of what's beautiful and good. It's just we will continually be offered this opportunity to redefine and expand and 
kind of uh, reconfigure and use our aesthetics as a kind of uh, brush rather than have our aesthetics as a thing we compromise. Imagine if you could have anything. Would you get bored of everything? Maybe. That's a, that's a topic for a metaphysician. But. Well, I think TikTok is in a level of that at the moment. So, yeah. so I think all of the other social media apps are just trying to play catch up because yeah. TikTok is supremely entertaining that if you're looking at an Instagram feed and it's just square pictures that aren't filling the screen yeah. and they're static and you're flicking through these images and then you go to TikTok and the full screen is a moving image yeah. and everybody is working with the same goal in mind, which is come up with something that grabs people in the first few seconds yeah, and get to the point and have it over and done with in 20 seconds. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you just flick and there's somebody else that's done it. Yeah. And so the bar has been raised and it's not like, it makes me wonder, did people always get sick of the second verse? Mm, that's interesting. Because it, it's like, uh, yeah. just get rid of the second verse. Yeah. We barely even need a first verse, just a tiny first verse and then the chorus and then that's the punchline, move on. So it's like, did people always hate the f- second verse anyway? I think there is a, definitely a trend in music of, of compression and like distillation or, or even truncation. And I think this is something that, the pop engineers are very clued into. Mm. I think that um, this, I had a thought about that too. Yeah, um, the, the like the democratization of this production technology is going to lead to more and more hacking of how we perceive things and like the leveraging of that. Kind of like what you said with the TikTok, how you know we're putting things that are punchy in the first second or two to capture attention in terms of like novelty or just pure. St- stimulus factor and it's not because oh i think people that don't watch any tiktok or they're not on tiktok they they think oh tiktok is a an annoying app that the kids are into (laughs) That's, that's what i thought about it until quite recently but the reality is that it's tapping into something that is human and real yep that people do enjoy it when you get to the point yep so That's interesting. I think you can always learn something from psychology that is real just Mm -hmm. by watching humans. Yeah. Um, There was a thing that I watched recently, a video on YouTube that talked about becoming an expert Mm -hmm. and talked about people say you need 10,000 hours experience to become an expert. Mm -hmm. But this video said that only works if it's a high validity environment. So if you spend 10,000 hours at the casino, yeah. you're not going to become an expert at the casino because it is random. In fact, you have the risk of learning junk data mm. and taking it, your brain will subconsciously want to think that it learnt. Mm. And that's definitely my experience with cryptocurrency. How so? Like every time I, tr- I do a trade and it goes well, yeah, I think I learnt something. Right. And every time I do a trade and it goes bad, I think I learnt something. Right. But it's junk data. 
the results weren't actually connected to what I did. Yeah. It was random. So I'm programming my neural net. Yeah. With random data yeah. as if it's truth. So I've, then I yeah. try and do another trade yeah. and, and I lose my money. Yeah. Like the worst thing you can do with crypto is not lose all your money. The worst thing you can do <laughs> yeah. is win lots of money mm. and be under the assumption that you learnt something. I've heard this said about gambling too. But on that note about the uh, faulty data, mm. what, if, what if you train your neural net not to take not to take its inferences too heavily. But it's subconscious. That's the thing. I think I have to just step out of the crypto world and say, put all of your time into thinking about psychology or TikTok. Like a TikTok algorithm doesn't just teach you about the TikTok algorithm. Mm. It teaches you about people and people's attention and what actually captures their attention. And this is data that, is going to remain true for as long as there's humans. Largely, I think, yeah. So if you spend 10,000 hours on it, yeah, it will all stack up. So it's like 10,000 hours of people watching. Mm. And and what's interesting is it it's not just people watching. You also have some inferred context available to you, like you know people are performing. You know some of the conditions of the ranking algorithm. So there's a lot of like inferred knowledge you can use to inform yourself as you learn about stuff in an environment like this. Yeah, and it's fair. I like that TikTok is fair. They give you views even if you have no followers. Yeah. So if your first video gets 100 plays, yeah, it's, it's worth 100 plays. That's how engaging it is. Yeah. Your first video might get half a million and that's just because people played it till the end. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the the algorithm giving new users extra views, and I'm being cynical here, is just a ploy to keep them in the content production game? Yeah, but it worked because <laughs> yeah. cause they, they know that the old rules on Instagram and YouTube where you have to get followers first was excluding new creators from coming up Mm -hmm. so it ends up being stale yeah so you have the same people with millions of views and then there's newcomers that can't start yeah so tiktok just said hey you know what people actually want out of social media they want to be famous Mm -hmm. give them an audience yeah and then let it grow up from the bottom (laughs) yeah and yeah yeah i'm big into getting my head around grassroots at the moment. What do you mean by grassroots, Danny? Yeah, well, for a while I was like, what is grassroots? But it makes total sense now that it's a structure that has grown from the people more broadly Mm -hmm. instead of a structure that is imposed from the top. Yeah. And... So the example would be, say, a TV station telling you what you can put on the air. There's all these rules with the TV station that are coming down from the top mm-hmm. that at the end result is people don't like watching TV anymore. They'd yeah. rather watch TikTok yeah, yeah. where all of the creators are able to do basically whatever they want. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is copyright music. Eh, it doesn't matter. This has product placement in it that you don't have the rights to. Yeah, eh, it doesn't matter. How do they handle that copyright music thing? Is there like a... They just... They just do. They just do. My music's on there. Really? I, I didn't get... I think the label had a deal with maybe a company that puts everything on the internet. Oh, uh, distributor. Yeah, so Minna's songs are on there. Steaming Jeans right. are on there. I wonder if my stuff's on there. Who knows? If it's through a label, it could be on there. Interesting. I don't know how you can... I would like there to be a longer clip on there because I've only got 30 seconds. You can't select where it is, the 30-second clip. And I wish it was, yeah, the bit where the song got interesting. They need to use AI for that. (laughs) How to know where the song gets interesting. Yeah, how to know where the song gets interesting. I think you could probably, you could easily make one. What I would do is like train it on YouTube videos and then you can track people's viewing behavior when people close the tab, these kind of things, when they pause it, just train Mm. it on that. These are things that they're using AI for behind the scenes, I reckon. Yeah. But now it's becoming more obvious. Maddie had a – my girlfriend, she works at the supermarket and they had a training day uh, two days ago yep. about the AI cameras that are coming into self-serve. Oh, far out. So the AI cameras to detect whether you're stealing in self-serve. Yeah. So the camera can just – it knows what all of the products look like yeah. from any angle. Yeah. So if you're scanning really expensive mushrooms yeah. and then putting them through as onions, yeah, then it's like it shows you a, a video feed of you yeah. stealing yeah, and then says, oh, it looks like you made an error. Do you want to correct that? You have <laughs> 20 seconds to comply. <laughs> Really? Has yeah. a countdown? Yeah, and then, no. it will, then it will call the staff over. But if you want... I'll just to help you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like if you want nobody to find out that you were yeah. stealing, yeah, yeah. you can fix this yourself. Can it? I wonder if... Can it? Uh, I like that idea. But Maddie said it's like, oh, it's creepy when you see yourself it's stealing. Yes. It's very... Um, it's like behavioural design. In like, it's, a bit, it's a bit... I don't know. It's a bit scary in a way, like the idea, but... Can it, can it detect a person who is a bit silly and is just pretending to steal stuff to generate false positives? Because that would be a fun flash mob thing. You oh, can yeah. un- train 100 people to fake steal things. It's mostly it looks at what you're holding and yeah. what's gone on the scales. Uh, and, scales. And it knows if you – Maddie said lots of people leave one more thing and then don't scan the last object as a way of stealing. What does that mean? Like they scan their their shopping, yeah. they leave one thing unscanned, yeah. which is generally the most expensive thing, yeah. and then pay for everything. Yeah. And you're just pretending like, oh, I have scanned it, it's just placed up here, not yeah. on the scales. Yeah. And But the AI camera can tell that. It says, oh, hey, there's something else that you've got. Mm, mm, mm. I think you forgot your last item. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> but it, if you want a tip, just put it in your bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other way that people steal. They carry around a bag. Yeah. They say, oh, I just brought my own bag. Yeah. And then they go through the register and it's yeah. like, oh, no, that's all of that $500 worth of Manuka honey. Yeah. That, that my grandma gave that yeah, to me. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> um, but I heard that like a, what was it Hermes? I think that's how you pronounce it. They're bringing in like these terahertz scanners to see through your bags. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I need to bring your lead shielded bag for your manuka honey. I heard that there was a thing in China where they wear makeup to disguise facial recognition. Oh, and it's it, like a dazzle pattern type thing. Yeah, yeah. So you look like you're from Kiss. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's just clickbait, but mm. it could become real. If you, it, yeah. yeah, you could, you could, um, depending on how well their depth sensing technology is, you could use makeup that kind of messed with the biometric ratios. Yeah, that's what it does. Yeah. 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 Interesting. But yeah. Oh, there's something I was going to yeah. ask you. Another thing that we skipped over another time was yeah. when I was asking you how you got a consistent image, a consistent world across yeah. your AI images. Yeah. And you said to me that it's because you've always thought in this way anyway. Yeah. Okay. I can look into this one a little bit. So I can go into like my, the way my brain works. Because the fact that you say I've always thought yeah. in this way anyway, yeah. I think is enlightening that AI perhaps shows you how your mind works and it's not teaching you a new robotic way of I thinking. I think that's very, very relevant. Yeah. What you said is very spot on. Like, so the way that I think is very geometric and I'll go on a small tangent. So imagine you have a space in that space. There are like three speakers all equidistant from each other. And those speakers are emitting tones as those tones interfere with each other. They create a complex harmonic pattern that can be experienced from different perspectives as you move within that triangle, right? So keeping that image in mind, imagine now instead of three speakers, you have an arbitrary number of speakers all emitting composite tones and these composite tones are composed of subunits of tone structures. Now, if you translate this idea from the realm of acoustics into the vector space of an information field, and then you attach symbols and grunts to them, what I'm doing is sequencing the symbols and grunts to create an interference pattern, which maps a particular idea space an idea structure right so when i when i generate a prompt i'm inferring from previous experiences what the ai meta structure looks like and then just shooting these kind of rays in to illuminate a particular point in that meta structure and that sounds a little abstract but it's, it's kind of like painting with words or painting with what I think a word means to the AI. So that a lot, a lot of that's contextual. But you did say once on the podcast that you're a bit of a word nerd. I'm a huge word nerd. Huge, yeah. And Spod last week said, oh, it feels like I'm just converting what I want into words so that I can give the robotic information to the AI that's going to create the image. Yeah. But if you've already been doing that, then perhaps that's why you found it easier. 
because you already had the words ready. Yeah. Whereas somebody else that I worked with, they were giving me words that weren't actually helpful. They were director, like the, the words that a director might give mm-hmm. that are more based on actions. Yeah. Whereas the concepts were conflicting. Maybe yours are more visual anyway. But yeah, you said that you imagined it like a dot to dot of concepts. Yeah. And that you've always tried to use the minimal amount of concepts to trace the outline of the dot to dot that best shapes that concept. That's right. Yeah. So the new concept is a collection of of existing concepts that you've learnt about. Yeah. And the best way of conceptualising your new concept is by picking the picking the minimum number of dot-to-dot dot yeah. to give the maximum resolution. Exactly. I also think because of the way that our brains work and the way we perceive things, I think a bit of Boolean logic goes a long way. So you can say like a submarine but on land. So you can subtract you can subtract something using this, yep. this negation and then that can be an extremely efficient way of describing a scene. Or like a duck but something opposite to a duck, I don't know. <laughs> Without feathers? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I think that shows that you're you've already had a neural net that you've been building up in your mind Mm. and that neural net has been made up of concepts and words there was a a thing that i heard about once that somebody who was i think dr carl might have brought it up he's a bit of a popular science guy that people from our generation would remember from carl kruzaniski kruzaniski Dr. Karl Krusenitsky, he, you know, he'd always be on Triple J talking science, taking questions from the kids. Yeah. The teenagers. And he said that we need a language to be able to think. Yeah. And we have proof of this because somebody, they were born completely paralysed and they couldn't move a single muscle except they could blink one eye. Yeah. And when they were in their 30s, I think it was, somebody taught them Morse code. Yeah. So they learnt Morse code by blinking their one working eye. Yeah. And that person dictated a book and you can read the book. Is that the diving bell and the butterfly or something? I don't know. Okay. And I haven't read the book. Yeah. I just remember the story that Dr. Carl said. Yeah. And in the book they said that they can't remember having a thought until they learnt Morse code mm. and all of their thoughts are in Morse code. Wow. So they needed a language to yeah. be able to think. Yeah. That's and yeah. they were in their thirties or whatever and they they can't remember having a thought yet. Yeah. So that kind of shows that the idea of translating images into text isn't as wacky or arbitrary yeah. as it seems yeah. that a brain needs a common language yeah. in order to be able to think. Yeah. I don't know how dogs I, do it. I mean, dogs can see images, but can dogs create an image? Mm. 
I don't know. I was going to say the, the clarity of that internal language and the simplicity and the consistency of that internal language. It, it can define it can define the trajectory of your life. Yeah, I actually when yeah. I was on Mid Journey the other day, yeah. I saw somebody in the feed. A thing went past, and it was a language. Oh, the the thing that they typed was, um, like a they wanted to see Time magazine or it was like a magazine article front cover yeah. written in. And it had this word and I'd never seen it before. And it ended up being it's a it's a minimalist language. Mm. So somebody invented it maybe ten years ago yeah. as a conceptual concept yeah. that if you wanted to have clear thoughts mm. that you'd need a minimal language to yeah. think in. Yeah. And so it was a and apparently it's taken off a little bit. I mean interesting. Maybe just as an artistic concept. Ah, uh, here it is. Tokipona. Oh, yes. Okay, so it's called Tokipona. My uncle's into this. So Tokipona in Wikipedia says, translated as the language of good or simple talk. Yeah. And it has a bunch of hieroglyphics as the symbols. They look like smiley faces. There's a whole area of study and creation called conlangs constructed languages it's a lot of stuff like really interesting philosophical questions and practical solutions for them in this particular area i think the reason for this is the idea that it would clear your mind if you had a minimal yeah. language to think in have you heard of e prime no i learned about e prime through robert anton wilson he talks about it. It's made by Albert Korbinski. He um, came up with these rules for correcting English because of all the ambiguities that are there when it's used. So one, one of the things is like t binding the scope of your descriptions or invocations to a particular time, place, circumstance. So like instead of saying, um, I hate broccoli... I actually love broccoli so much. But instead of saying, I hate broccoli, I would say, um, according to my past experiences of broccoli, I hate broccoli today. Right? So it's like you're, you're using this idea of like sandboxing your thought process so it gets pinned down. And for example, say if someone picks me up later on, and they're like, hey, hey, Nuan, you're that guy who hates broccoli. I'm like, no, actually, I've changed my mind. And if you listen to what I said, I said that it was due to this past experience on that day. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives you the freedom to redefine yourself and also prevents ambiguity. And it prevents these consistent identification statements that eventually will all be false with time, with an infinite you know, infinite universe and infinite time, all things will be true and false oscillation between these states in, in a kind of way of thinking. Yeah, there's there's definitely a thing that I learned from psychology, from, yeah, having anxiety and depression stuff yeah. and needing to go to a psychiatrist mm. and they give me this book and I learn really well from books, it turns out, because it's not like I'm being told it, it's like my inner dialogue tells it to me. Yeah. Self-learning, so, isn't it? Yeah. So, 
yeah, learning from books seems to be my thing that works because I distrust people that are uh, have a distrust of authority unless it's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> then it's okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the 10 cognitive distortions. Oh, yes. So oh, I wish they taught that in school. They, that's the first thing they need to teach. Before anyone gets taught anything by teachers or authority figures, they need to learn how to sandbox their input. Yeah. So we've got all or nothing thinking, overgeneralization, discounting the positive, jumping to conclusions, magnification, which means magnifying negative things and minimizing positive things. You just change the scale to suit the negative output that, yeah. you know, you want it to be negative. So yeah. if somebody has a, gives you a compliment, you shrink it down. Yeah, if somebody right. says something bad, you blow it up. Emotional reasoning, that's, that's a huge one. Like when people feel that when they feel bad because of the way they've been treated, they think the other person has treated them bad, but maybe just f that's because of how you feel. That's mm -hmm. not because of how it was. Yeah, yeah. So your feelings don't actually create the fact of the situation. That's right. your feelings. So should statements, just get rid of the word should. I should do this. Yes. I should do that. Just change it to I would like to. Yeah. And they're so powerful, these so simple good. things. But uh, we should talk about more AI, huh? But kind of related. It's I've been using Descript. Yes. Which is because it's all about text. Yeah. So Descript. Oh, man. I think I came across Descript two weeks ago. Yeah. And I'd just been saying on the podcast, I'm not afraid of deep fakes anymore. Deep fakes, they're just not a part of my fear anymore. Okay. Because I'm just so concentrated on the positives about how AI could help creativity and yeah. creativity is just so important to me that deep fakes is like, uh, we'll figure that out. And then somebody shows me Descript yeah. and it's a thing where you can edit video yeah. and edit podcasts yeah. and you upload your podcast. Yeah. It translates it into a script. Yes. So it turns it into a transcript. Mm-hmm which is amazing. So then we can put the podcast on a blog and somebody that might be hearing impaired can read it. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's cool. It does it automatically. That's great. But then the first great thing, you can just edit the text like it's a Word document and it edits the audio to match. Amazing. And so you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that paragraph. I'll get rid of it. Delete the paragraph. It deletes the audio or the video. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. And for TikToks, making TikToks snappy, yeah. you can just... And it's amazing that when you see the words, you can see that that's a, a silly way of saying it. You see the words and you go, I shouldn't have said the same word twice for starters. And I shouldn't have said, um, yeah, you know, like... But it turns out it has an automatic feature to remove all of your filler words. Yeah. So you can be more persuasive with just one click. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I feel sick now. Is that the right thing to do? <laughs> be more persuasive with one click? Because I'm trying to learn to talk well on a podcast. Part of that is try and not repeat yourself. Try not to say, um, yeah, you know, like, 
try not to say those things too yeah. much because you will sound like an idiot. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to sound like an idiot, and I think the translation of that is I would like to be more persuasive. Mm. The idea that I can just click the persuasive button on the script. Yeah, interesting. And have all the benefit without actually having to learn to speak like that. I, I think. And my stomach went, I'm gonna, <laughs> I think I'm going to spew. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was another bit yeah. where you can deep fake your own voice. Yeah. And they say in the ad, oh, but couldn't you use that for bad stuff? And they're like, yes, oh, but that's why we only let you fake your own voice. So they even come straight out on the ad. So How do they know who, who, which one's you? I don't know exactly. I think perhaps because you've got to read a script that goes for about 40 minutes. Oh, it's a calibration thing. To calibrate it. Oh, that's not so bad. I, I actually did think about this because when I, when I heard you were using the script, I thought, well, is this going to capture my voice model? Is there going to be a whole other range of like consent forms and disclaimers people have to sign when they collaborate on a project or you mm. know, put something out. I was thinking this, this is a... Oh, well, full disclosure, yeah. the last podcast, I edited about half of your sentences down to be more concise. <laughs> I've actually listened to it yet. I got rid of probably 50% yeah. of Spod's ums, yes, your likes, your nose. Okay. I didn't so you get, used the button. I didn't get consent. I didn't get- but it's when you've... When you see it as text, yeah, we don't have any problem with editing our text to sound more cohesive. Yeah. And when you see the text looks just horrendous, yeah, and it, you can hear at the same time it actually sounds horrendous too. Sure, I'll just get rid of that bit where somebody stuttered at the start of their sentence four times before they finally spat it out. Yeah, I can just delete that because all they're saying is and it's like um and they go uh, and because they didn't mean to stumble they just started the sentence wrong so it's an interesting concept starting a sentence wrong because they said they start off by saying a few usually what it what it looks like yeah. when i see it as text yeah you say it's because i was thinking oh, because Last time I, yeah, because you've started off saying a, a couple of words and that doesn't even match my yeah, thoughts. Yeah. I yeah, can't even right. can't even finish this I sentence. Guess maybe maybe when the the fidelity of the text is matching what we're really thinking. But I also I also wonder about the idea of wrongness, like and wrong only, by which criteria? Maybe by persuasiveness, mm, it's wrong. But then, but character and personality. That's the thing. And also, not only that, you can now be persuasive, completely persuasive about things you don't believe in. Mm. Like you can, you, can, you can do anything and make it sound like, yes, this is the truth. As far as I know, I think a lot of our social interaction in our history has hinged on the fidelity between the heart, so to speak, and the head and the expression of that through the voice. And the facial speak like facial structures and micro expressions and these kind of things. Mm. If all these things can be deep faked, then we're literally not going to know what's real if it's presented in a digital format, right? And I had another thought, kind of connected to this. This is a pretty extreme idea. It's a bit of an extreme hypothetical. 
imagine that when you turn 18, there is an automatic porn movie made of you <laughs> with your face on it. A random, random, nothing too, nothing too terrible. Yeah. Okay. All Why? legal within the bounds of the law. Yeah. You flood the internet with deep fakes of everyone. Yes. Flood the... And not only that, you, you're interpolating the deep fakes, so you have like a whole spectrum of deep fakes. And how would that help? Helps because the shame of having your face on the internet doesn't exist anymore because there's no way to authenticate the veracity of that, if that's you or not. It's mm. just a face on a body now. And maybe if we use that level of, frankly, it's extreme objectivity, we, no. wouldn't, be so, we wouldn't be so swayed by what we see. It would almost be like an initiation of of coming into adulthood, like getting <laughs> being in the Amazon. They cut you cut you up and have the ants crawl all over you with the honey and yeah. biting you for days, and yeah. and then you've made it into being a man. <laughs> but the, the but the internet version is well, you know, it's time for your deep fake. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> Floating the internet. So bizarre. That could actually help. But if 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 people are rightly skeptical about what they see. Right. Then, I mean, it would, it would. Well, if you think about music, say, yeah, we already use compression on the podcast to compress our voices so that it sounds like we're speaking in an even volume to make every word sound like it was said with a bit of gusto. Yes. And you do that in music and you do that in um, like originally that technology yeah. was just designed because uh, it was difficult to hear what somebody was saying over mm. the telephone mm-hmm. or over the CB radio mm. because it would get buried in the noise by the time you transmitted it. Yeah. So if they wanted to actually hear it, they had to make the signal loud and strong. Mm. But then music producers in the 60s realised, hey, this can actually make people sound like they're more confident. If you... If you put it on drums, it sounds like the drummer was really consistent and yeah. they had a lot of passion. Yes. And it all, it translates into an emotion and musicians have been fine to just go, all right, if it makes me sound more confident, it makes mm. me sound more passionate. Yeah. Then yeah, put that on. And then now it's it's gotten to the stage where you edit out the timing. Yeah. So all the timing is perfect. All of the volumes are perfect. Mm. So the idea of getting rid of some of my slip-ups in text yep. is it doesn't make me feel sick anymore because mm. I've been doing it for the last week Yeah, where I just go, look, I'll leave in some of them so that it has personality, but sorry for not getting consent, Spod, but <laughs> I removed about 50%. <laughs> I left Let's do an outtakes one. one where it's just those words you removed in a row. Oh, yeah. Seen those videos? I love those. That People would be cool. In, there's one called Dr. Phil breathing or inhaling <laughs> or something. It's incredible. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Like Garfield without Garfield. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, there was another thing I thought with music production that um, watching the interview with Demis Asabas, I go on about him so much now. It's only because I've watched a bunch of interviews yeah. <laughs> recently. I'll go on about someone else soon. Sure. But he said that um, because they've been using AI to study uh, protein folding yeah. with AlphaFold and 
he said something that I thought was interesting that it perhaps maths isn't the most suited language for biology that maths was perfect for us to understand the stars and the planets and these big physical objects that are moving through Mm. space. But when we try and apply it to biology, perhaps AI is the only tool that's messy enough to understand biology Mm -hmm. because maths is so pristine and perfect and Mm. biology is anything but. So the idea that perhaps only AI is a tool that's messy enough to understand biology made me think when I was thinking about music production, I'm listening to a modern song the other day, just going, it's got so much of the character taken out of it. You've got perfect timing. All the drums are quantized. All of the singing has been snapped to the grid. All Everything's compressed perfectly. Everything has just been made so perfect that modern production has been ruined basically. Like you can't listen to a song longer than a TikTok. Because what do you mean? like the fact that modern music is on TikTok. Yeah. And they use the best 20 seconds. Yeah. You just want a build up, a drop, and a really unexpected switch. And then you can create a story, a narrative mm-hmm. of a TikTok based on that unexpected switch. Yeah. So do any visuals to it and then there's your TikTok formula. But the music on there is so irritating. You can't last more than 20 seconds. You don't want to really listen to it for hours and hours anyway. So, and that's because our modern music has used traditional computing, which is based on mathematics. Yeah. So we've tried to use mathematics to perfect music. Mm-hmm. Perhaps only AI is messy enough to save us with music production. Hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, tape effects. In the old days when people used analog tape, Mm -hmm. there would be like these slight fluctuations in the tape speed. Yeah. Tell tell us about tape wobble. I think you're the expert on this one. Like wow and flutter. Yeah. And how does does the impact of the wow and flutter hit you as as a listener? Yeah, it helps. It helps. I like recording at different speeds too. So if I want my voice to sound deeper, mm. then you run the tape machine slightly chipmunked. Yeah. So everything is running fast and then you sing to it. And then when you play it back at normal speed, then your double tracking has two different versions of yeah. your throat. Yeah, It's like your throat was in a slightly different register. Mm-hmm. I feel like perhaps a lot of early Madonna sounds slightly chipmunked. I reckon they ran the tape machine slower. Yeah. Got her to sing to it slower so that when you speed it up, her timing is really spot on for a dance record. And she sounds a little bit cuter. I see. Okay. Whereas now you would just go in, zoom in and snap it all to the grid using a mouse. But So so basically those... Uh, in addition to those, the fluidity of tape where you can speed things up and slow it down, mm. I think those imperfections, they add harmonics, harmonic like structures overlaid on, on a signal source. Like yeah. they, they add a kind of fingerprint that's continuous and evolving throughout um, a, a tone structure that 
computers don't necessarily do by default. So mm. people are adding these other layers, almost like the patina on a surface that kind of more deeply engages our signal matching and searching hardware because we search for meaning in signals. So by adding these extra little layers, we're, I think at some level, signaling to our nervous system this is an important signal and not just environmental noise. Yeah, well, Spod said last week, it's amazing that these tools can do texture already. Yeah. And it... And the, the things that AI comes up with that are, that are best are the ones where you ask for a texture. Yeah. And I think that's because AI is just great at messy and creating something that should be random, yeah. but it's better than random. Yeah. It's a messy, a messiness that makes sense. It's like, it's, this isn't just random. This is kind of like an oil painting mm-hmm, done by mm-hmm. an impressionist painter. Mm. This isn't just random. This is a bit like an out of focus background bokeh in a photograph yes. that's taken with a nice lens. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's open to happy accidents. Yes. And I think our, our modern music production tools, they're not as open to happy accidents. linear, eh? Mm. There's a really good um, synth by Sonic Charge. You should check out uh, Synplant. It uses like a genetic algorithm to, to generatively create these instruments and you can breed and diversify the output it's really amazing and there's a free demo synplant check it out oh cool flume check it, it out flume likes it well i think we're running out of time that was a good chat it was a good chat it was wasn't it do you have any idea what you might use ai for this week i'm gonna put out the next few stories on this popping kernels it's going to be time for Mapping the desert with virtual reality and uh, drones. Yeah. What about you, Danny? I want to have a bit more fun. Well, I've been finding Descript fun. Yeah. So I can keep playing with Descript. I'm going to have these video feeds from the podcast. Yeah. So I'll be able to start putting those together. Yeah. Make some TikToks with Descript. Maybe I'll clone your voice and I can <laughs> make it sound like you've got a different opinion to what you actually how, said. How long till uh, the whole podcast is just outsourced to virtual avatars of us? <laughs> maybe. maybe that's what we are. We were talking about maybe getting GPT-3 to interview us. Yeah. Instead of the other way around. That'd be really cool. I think uh, AI would be a really good... Anyway, continue this next episode. (laughs) See you next week, everyone. See ya. Take care. That was fun.